Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. I'm not sure if you heard the news, but Shopify announced it's laying off 20% of its workforce, and that comes on the heels of laying off 10% last July. Like many companies that saw huge growth during the pandemic, Shopify hired aggressively to ensure they could continue to meet the demand. But that demand didn't hold once the world opened back up. Wayfair faced a similar situation recently as well. But unstable pandemic growth isn't what we're here to talk about. With Shopify's layoff announcement, they also announced that they are selling off the logistics arm of their business. Shopify spent the last few years trying to build up its fulfillment network by acquiring businesses such as Six River Systems, a warehouse robot maker in 2019, and Deliver, with two R's, a last-mile delivery company in May of last year. In the release, Shopify's CEO said it was a worthwhile side quest, but that Shopify is refocusing its efforts on what they do best helping merchants sell products on the internet with e-commerce software. He also said Shopify has the privilege of being amongst the companies with the best chances of using AI to help our customers. Shopify has already integrated the power of AI on its platform with Shopify Magic, a tool to help merchants write product descriptions, and I imagine they have some other ideas up their sleeve. If you are using Shopify's fulfillment network or had been considering it, rest assured it's not going away. Shopify is selling the people, technology, and services related to these operations to Flexport, a leading tech-driven global logistics platform. Shopify will maintain an equity stake in Flexport and will name a director to Flexport's board. Flexport will also become the official logistics partner for Shopify and their preferred provider for Shop Promise, which is something that they offer with the Shop app. As a Shopify merchant, this is actually good news because it means they can focus their energy and effort toward innovating their product and optimizing the tools it provides to you. So I gotta say, I'm excited to see what they do now that they can better allocate their resources. But there is also a great business lesson that we can take away from this move, and that is focus on what you're really great at. It made perfect sense that Shopify tried to get into the logistics business. It was a great way to serve their merchants and on the surface seemed like the natural next step. They were smart about it too, acquiring existing businesses instead of starting from scratch. But at the end of the day, logistics is just not what they do. eBay has a similar sentiment. When I spoke to the senior manager of seller marketing, Christy, she said they don't have any plans to create a logistics arm in their business eBay adds value to their buyers and sellers in other ways, such as international selling and Google shopping feeds. Now, of course, we're talking about big, huge tech businesses here. So how does this apply to you? 
Well, there are two ways focus plays out in your business. And the first is essentially what you're seeing with Shopify. Focus on your core product or products. You've heard me talk about this before, but we all know how important it is to repeat ourselves. So let's chat about it again. So why is it so important to focus on your core product? The short answer, because it makes everything else easier from your inventory management to your marketing. Everything is easier when you focus on one thing. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you only have a handful of products. It might, and that certainly would make your inventory management a breeze. But sometimes, especially if you don't sell a consumable product, you do need some newness to keep your existing customer shopping with you. That might be completely new seasonal styles or new variants in your existing items. Either way, if your business does warrant a wider product assortment, your focus will come into play in your marketing. That can be your overall marketing message. What does your brand stand for? Who is your perfect customer? It can also mean leading with your best-selling products from a marketing perspective, bring them in with the best, and then sell them the rest. Instead of trying to market every single product you have on social media, focus on always highlighting the best of the best, and then let your website and email marketing do the selling once they get there. If you have brick and mortar online, this might mean paring down your online assortment. I talked about this in last week's episode in one of the client examples I gave, and I just gave this advice to another client. She started her brick and mortar business 12 years ago and does great in person. The e-commerce division of her business is mostly local customers who do in-store pickup, so it's not really getting her net new revenue. She's interested in trying to scale the e-com side, but she's also wondering if it's worth it because it's so much additional work. Because she's a boutique, she has a lot of products and she does weekly drops in store. I recommended she focused on the best of the best evergreen items on the website so they can put more energy and effort into optimizing those listings and increasing conversion while also reducing returns and then just do fewer drops online or keep those items a little bit more bare bones in terms of adding the product listings. Her items don't need to be online for her to market them to her in-store local customers so she can absolutely have in-store exclusives. For you, this might look like you taking your best sellers and putting them on other sales channels like Amazon or Etsy. As I talked about in the omni-channel marketing episode, it might just look like highlighting specific products throughout the year in your marketing campaigns. How exactly this looks for you is going to depend on a lot of different factors, but the main takeaway is to simplify your overall business and marketing strategy as much as possible. Not only will it be less stressful for you, but it will be less confusing and more impactful for your customers too. The other way focus comes into play is how Robert Kiyosaki defines it. Follow one course until success. Now, this is a statement I believe in enough that I used to have the word focus on a sticky note at my computer at my day job. I also see where this can trip people up sometimes. There is a fine line between giving something a fair chance versus beating a dead horse. That is a terrible saying. Why are we always killing things? Two birds, one stone, baby out with the bathwater. How about we say putting good money after bad? My point is you can't try a marketing strategy for three days or even 90 days inconsistently and say it doesn't work. But if you've given it your all for a solid 90 days and it's still not working, maybe that's not the right strategy for you. 
Of course, that's not a hard and fast rule because magic doesn't necessarily happen in 90 days. And most of us give up right before the magic is about to happen. I wish I could give you some concrete parameters for when something is deemed a failure, but it's just not that cut and dry. I think the best way to implement this concept into your business is to do less, but better and try to avoid shiny object syndrome. You hear this a lot when it comes to social media, right? Pick a platform, go all in and get really great at it instead of half-assing all of the platforms. This might also mean putting email optimization at the top of your list for 90 days, really looking at the data and each metric individually so you can optimize them. Check out episode 75 to learn more about that process. It might mean launching or optimizing another sales channel in your business. Maybe you threw some items on a marketplace, but haven't really bothered to build out the platform-specific SEO. It might be implementing a post-purchase cross-sell funnel with a tool like ReConvert and optimizing it along the way. Speaking of post-purchase funnels, the co-founder of ReConvert is going to be on the podcast in a few weeks, giving us some tips and tricks for this strategy, so stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, if you want to get a head start, You can get a lifetime 10% discount on the app with my affiliate link, which I'll stick in the show notes. Essentially, don't try and do all the things at the same time. Don't start new projects before completing old ones. And if you're brand new to business, don't give up after three months. I see this a lot in the beginner e-commerce space. People will say, oh, I went live a week ago and haven't gotten any sales, or I've had 50 people come to my website, but nobody bought yet. Well, yeah, because that's not how this works. It also shows up a lot when people first start ads. Our resident Facebook ad strategist requires a minimum three-month commitment because that's typically how long it takes to get everything dialed in, optimized, and profitable. If you're doing it on your own and don't have as much experience, it could take you longer. Or you invest time and money into SEO optimization and might not see results for six months to a year. That's typical. Again, I don't want you to throw good money after bad or continue down the wrong path, but you've got to give things a fair chance to. As I said, unfortunately, there are no hard and fast rules about when something is or isn't dead in the water. It takes a little bit of data and a little bit of intuition. We also have to remember to be realistic about our expectations. Sure, maybe you're not growing as quickly as you'd like, or that specific channel isn't contributing as much revenue as you hoped, but that doesn't mean it's a complete failure. Maybe it just needs more time, or you need to reallocate your resources to focus on it less while maintaining the results you're already getting. I feel like I talked about this not too long ago. I'm getting deja vu, but whatevs. Let's talk about it again, and I'll give you two real-life client examples. Client one is known for her weekly newsletter. Her customers love it, capital L-O-V-E, and it generates a shit ton of revenue. It was taking her a really long time to put it together, though, because she was going pretty in-depth on each feature in the email. So we did an A-B test. Version one was her full newsletter as she would normally create it. Version two was a pared down version of that newsletter. It still featured all the same things, but there was less copy inside of it. The results, exactly the same, literally. Version one and two performed exactly the same on all metrics. The two most important being click-through and revenue, because those are what are influenced by the internal content. 
Client two was posting a lot on Instagram. I think it was three times a day, five days a week. She was getting a little burnt out, always coming up with and creating the content. So I recommended she go down to two posts per day and monitor the results. What happened? Nothing other than she had less content to create. Overall, she was getting the same visibility and revenue contribution from the channel. I've run similar tests on my own Instagram. Now, I'm not a great example because I totally suck at being consistent on social. That's definitely a do as I say, not as I do thing. Oh, I cringed as soon as I started to say that. I take it back, but seriously, my advice is better than my execution. Anyway, what I noticed was that when I posted fewer times per week, each of my posts got better reach and engagement. Now, it's already hard to track direct ROI from Instagram, but it's even harder when you don't just have products for sale on your website. But ultimately, I did see that posting more doesn't necessarily lead to more results. At the end of the day, marketing in general is a bit of a puzzle, and you have to figure out how the pieces fit together. The thing that makes it hard is that we're all working on a different puzzle. So while there are some best practices, like starting with the edges, We have to try and test things to see what works best for us. We are in a constant state of flux and optimization. And in the words of a very smart lounge member, this is all just one big experiment. So what are your next steps? First, get real with yourself and ask, have I been focusing as well as I could be? For me, that answer is no. I'd venture a guess and say it's probably a no for you too. Once you admit that to yourself, like I'm doing here live on this podcast, you can start to prioritize what you need to focus on. Start with revenue generating activities or things that support your revenue generating activities. For example, if you want to focus on ads, make sure you have your email optimized first so you don't waste money on traffic that you can't convert. Maybe you've been thinking about investing time in SEO, but you've also toyed around with the idea of listing your bestsellers on a marketplace. You can't do both. So in that case, go to the marketplace first, since you will likely see results from that faster. Again, there are too many variables for me to give you the perfect example for your situation, but you get the gist, right? And if you do want me to clear the cobwebs for you and help you figure out where you should focus next, join the lounge. We have a ton of tools in there to help you figure it out along with the resources to implement it. And if all else fails, you can always book a 30 minute strategy call with me for an exclusive lounge member price. Two quick notes before we go, in case you missed it, BizBite episodes are on hold for the summer, but they will resume in the fall and our Tuesday episodes will continue as usual. Additionally, we've got a bunch of guest episodes coming up over the next few weeks, which I'm super excited about. I usually try and spread them out since I don't do them very often, but these all came across my desk at the same time and they were too good not to share. And that's a wrap for today, friends. I hope you have a kick-ass rest of your week. Set aside some time to take action on what we talked about today, and I'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.